Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Lions Den podcast. I'm your host, Fetty, and today I have the absolute pleasure of talking to an individual who is, by every meaning of the term, a uh, serial entrepreneur. Uh, this guy has a lot of experience in real estate uh, as well as the cannabis industry, which I'm super excited to talk about. Uh, I'm very excited to have you on the show, Mr. Besam Hanna. How are you, man? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Such a kind intro. <laughs> uh, I didn't spend like an hour putting that together. Yeah, Not at all. Uh, no, it's so natural. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, how are you, man? How's uh, how's everything been? How's uh, how's life since the quarantine started? Um, it's been it's been good. You know, the first couple of months were a little weird. I thought my I thought the world was like I'm like oh that was when you know like in uh, Game of Thrones. Well, it's like uh, that was summer and now winter is here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't it was fine everything is good family i think the family came out stronger thank yes. god and uh you know the work stuff cannabis and real estate property management are both essential services so i didn't really stop working i just had to adapt to work from home yeah that's that was actually going to be my next question what did that um mean for you from a business perspective but i guess you were saying it didn't really put a halt into anything no, it may it put things into overdrive, honestly. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, That's a good it problem was, it to was have. Amazing, it, it was a great problem to have, but when you have your kids with you too, you yeah. know, like I'd have video Zoom calls because video calls and, and were, a, were a real big thing in in April and May. You know, like, they're still really popular, but back then, like everything was a video call. House party, everybody was on video chat. Big time. And, and my kids like they're around the house now because they're not going to school so anytime that office door closes it's like they're signaled to come in and they're like daddy's talking to people let's go inside and say hi so but everybody's accommodating yeah no i uh i actually had uh, jp camel on he was my first episode and he was talking about the same thing he, he was like we had like four video chats going on at the same time two for the kids doing school and then uh, one for my wife and one for me and then obviously when the kids run in and you know it's, it's all part of of being home with everyone but like everyone honestly that i'm speaking to is saying it's just been a blessing in disguise uh, to spend a lot of time with the family and such jp camel is an absolutely beautiful human being let's just let's Let's put that out there. He really is. I agree. I 100% agree. Faves. He's awesome, man. And he's uh, he's one of the funnier guys. Uh, like you, And, like, honestly, when I first met him, I, I met him through basketball. So, like, he, he's a lot older than I am. Yeah. And I, was, I, I did not expect him to be that, like, witty and funny and just, yeah. just a nice, approachable individual. He sure is. I like okay. him. Okay. Let's uh let's get right into it, man. So can you just uh before we before we unfold all, all the business stuff, can you just tell us what it is that you do currently? Um my official titles are that I am the president and CEO of Almega Almega Corp, which is a real estate asset manager and property manager in Canada. And then I am the chairman of the board of Trek Brands, uh, which is a socially conscious cannabis brand house in the Canadian cannabis space. I guess uh, Almega was was the first the first business that came up? Yeah, Almega was my first successful business launch uh it, and it happened in 2011. Um the and the idea behind it was that uh Actually, who listens to the like? Who's the audience for this podcast? Is it Egyptians? 
Uh, I'm aiming for a lot of people, but I want the platform to be for Egyptians. Yeah, I'm fo- I'm following a diverse. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm trying to make it a diverse uh, client base, but definitely having a. Egyptians so let me give you sure. why I asked that context because I have a very similar story to a lot of other people. Like the Egyptians in our community, we all kind of have a very similar story. Uh, we kind of. Our generation came with our parents when we were very young, and we watched our parents establish themselves and our community in in Canada. But now, you know, the the, the question that I had from a long time ago, and I still have it, and every day I have it, is like, what what are we contributing? You know, what's our generation going to be known for? You know, our parents came to Canada; they laid the roots. What what did we do with that with that foundation with that launch? So. The first thing that I thought of back then, I was young and all I really cared about was money. So the the only thing I thought about was we intergenerational wealth in the real estate world is is developed through the aggregation of capital. And I know that's a very technical statement, but what that means is when people band their money together, they can buy bigger, better assets that are more they're more stable in terms of the cash flow they produce. They're less risky. They're usually often better properties in general, better locations, better, better asset classes. So my goal with Almega was to start the, a fund for my, my network of family and friends to start pooling that money together. It started off as a very simple idea and it wasn't, it wasn't a big initiative at all. Uh, we raised $1.6 million to buy two apartment buildings, uh, a nine unit apartment building and a 12 unit apartment building that we were then going to convert and hold for cash flow and then sell at a later date. So that mm-hmm. was the genesis of all mega. And that was the reason why we started it. Well, that's okay. That's, that's pretty crazy because I had no idea that you started it with that goal in mind. Cause a lot of like, that sounds like a pretty inclusive idea. Like you're not just starting this for yourself. Like, yes, there's a lot of self benefit in that, but you're uplifting a lot of people from the community through that. Is that, was that a goal of yours doing that? That, that was the main goal we didn't know no one knows back then no one knew uh or very limited people knew that this was a way to make legitimate money and to secure you like this is a good investment vehicle and but you need to you need to have an organization to be able to do that and you can bring up everybody like it, it actually needs it for it to work it needs everybody to work together which i think is an awesome concept in anything so okay you know what before before i ask all the questions about that what did you do in school what's your background education uh, so I, I studied business in in university i did my first two years at ryerson and then i transferred over to to western to do the ivy business program for my last two years okay and then uh right after school you worked at first capital realty was that right out of school i I thought i saw on your linkedin yeah right out of school i had a brief stint in management consulting uh where i worked at a firm called boston consulting group but the my first real job was first capital realty which is a a nationwide owner of grocery anchored retail shopping plazas and i worked in their acquisitions and development team okay so is that when you started to get into real estate or did you have that passion beforehand when you were in school? Like what was, when did that passion sort of grow within you? Okay. The, the honest answer then the, is the minute I left school, it hit me like a ton of bricks that I didn't, you know, I went to business school. I did all these things. I knew a lot of cool things, but I didn't have any passion for anything. Uh, and so I, I, 
you know, mistakenly at the time substituted money for passion. And I thought that the pursuit of money was what every person needs to, to do. You know, you gotta, you gotta go and you gotta make as much money as you can and establish yourself. And that's usually a lifelong pursuit. And I said, if I'm going to pick, if I'm going to do something for, for the next, for the foreseeable future, uh, the, the one thing that I really liked was real estate because the richest people I knew were owned all the real estate. Okay. You know, you know, even in like my interactions with my schoolmates, uh, the, the, the ones that came from a lot of money, usually what it was backed by some kind of a real estate empire. So I just had these inklings and I didn't know too much. I'm like, you know what? The only way I'm going to find out is if I do it. So I, I got an entry level job at a company that I had a lot of respect for. Or I still do have a lot of respect for. And, and and they gave me a chance right and um and talk to us about that opportunity so you did uh, acquisitions uh, and developments as well so can you talk to us a little bit about what that meant uh, what you were doing there and then how that translated into omega and like you know what expertise you honed from that uh okay so acquisitions and development is is a very important part of real estate because you, you either you need to acquire either a piece of land or an income producing asset and if you're acquiring a piece of land or something that requires development, the, the understanding and the, the understanding of the inner workings of how to buy and build the real estate is, to me, the core of real estate operations, that and property management, mm-hmm. right? So, the, so getting into that environment and watching experts or learning from experts, doing it at such a big scale gave me a lot of perspective you know like when i was when i was looking at these when i when i looked at the project that we were doing back then you know it's a two hundred and fifty thousand square foot plaza at the corner of maine and maine in this big city and we're gonna have the you know big grocery store anchor and we're gonna have the 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 good life gym and we're gonna have the or the la fitness gym or we're, and we're gonna have the branded uh, the restaurants and we're going to have like, you know, so you watch this thing come together and you look at this cash flow and you're like, you're like every month, these people are going to pay you rent. These big corporations are going to pay you rent and it's pretty secure. And it makes a return for, for the owners of first cap. Right. And, and, and the act of buying the land and, and doing the development work is what creates that value and seeing it on the, but uh, like seeing it like that was was the most invaluable one of the most invaluable experiences that i that i ever had it's very interesting to because like you said man like a lot of people who come from a lot of money it's usually backed by a lot of real estate just because you know real estate the value is going up you're always going to need real estate like it's it's, it's a very flow. exactly and i think that's what you and i were rent. Everybody pays their rent. Yeah, that's what you and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago when when I first started like picking your brain about all this. Is you were saying that from a cash flow perspective, there's no better investment tool. Well, there probably is somewhere, I'm sure but there are. But I, I, <laughs> it's I, it's I a like really really one. good it's a really really good one for cash flow. Definitely. Definitely. So, so I, I just have a question for you because obviously um, I'm sort of in that stage right now where I just like, I've been out of school for three years. I did a business degree. Um, I don't really fully have a passion for what I did in school. I did a human resources degree. I, I like recruitment. It's it's nice. You know, I enjoy, you know, the aspect of, you know, helping people find work and whatnot. But there's no like driving you know burning passion like you were saying you know right out of school you didn't really know what you wanted to do and that's how you started getting into the omega and and obviously real estate and such but for someone who's in that stage right now 
what what sort of advice do you have for someone who's trying to find you know that passion obviously you were you were saying you had chased money and you didn't know any better at the time yeah. uh, but now that you do know a that's little not bit a better, good thing to chase though it, it definitely gives you security but it's not the greatest thing to chase yeah so that that's what i want to know from you is like now that you've been through it and and know better what would what would you say is some some good advice for someone who's in that stage right now it's not even my advice and i don't remember where i saw it but i think it's very good it's follow your curiosity because your curiosity will lead you to your passions and your passions you'll you'll like you'll find a way to monetize your passion if if you really want to so um the what also you know, let me ask you a question. Are you looking to be an entrepreneur or are you looking to work as, and, and help grow a, like a, a vision through a corporate lens? Uh, I'll be completely honest with you. I would definitely prefer uh, the entrepreneurship side. But if you ask me, do I know what it takes to be an entrepreneur? I'll be completely honest again and say probably not as, as much as I should know. I just know that I have a passion for things when I do have a passion for things, sorry, you can't stop me. Like, I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. And right. I have, you know, leadership experience of, you know, done a, a ton of coaching at a sports level. Obviously, it's, not, it's different from running a business, but I think I have a lot of characteristics that would help me succeed. But I'm just not educated enough on the entrepreneurship aspect of it. The entrepreneurship is like this fancy word that everybody uses, but everybody has the ability to be an entrepreneur if they want to. You know, I think some people are more inherently inclined to be entrepreneurs and they're more comfortable with risk. They deal with failure in a better way or, or like they, they take failure as a stepping stone as opposed to this, uh, you know, it's a sign that I shouldn't be doing this. Right. Uh, so that, you know, I, I think that can be taught or it's learned, but it, you can get it either way. Uh, when you When you're talking about, following your passion man it sounds like you want to try to be your own boss my advice to anybody especially young people is if you have that passion do it do it when you're younger better than when you're older it gets harder when you when you have when you get married and you have a responsibility or a, a commitment to somebody else because you and then it gets even harder when you have kids it gets harder when you're older and you have a mortgage and this that and the other thing right now that this is that time so if you feel like you want to do it and you don't know quite enough, it, I'll tell you as somebody that's been doing it for, you know, call it 10 plus years, I always feel like I don't know enough. No, I definitely hear you on that. And, and the thing is too about it, you can always sit there and make excuses for yourself. Like for me personally, like I got married pretty young. So sometimes I try to lean on that as like a, an excuse almost. Cause like, you know, like you were saying, it gets a bit tougher when you're married and have that commitment to somebody. But I think still given that I still, you know, there's no kids in the picture. We're still young. You know, there's still time to get things done. I think it's just a matter of buckling down and really learning. And I, and that is a huge reason why I started this podcast is not just to give a platform for people like yourself, JP. Um, I had Verona on as well from F45 and not just to give you guys a profile to talk about, you know, your journeys and, and paths and stuff, but it's also for me to learn and just see where, you know, where my passion lies or, you know, maybe someone will come on and we'll talk about something that, you know, I'll get super interested in and then I'll have a contact to talk about, you know, so there's so many, so many reasons why actually, I don't even know if I told you this, but I started this podcast after I had a conversation with you and Bisa Druck because, you know, both of you guys do very different things, but, you know, very, very similar minded, um, very, you know, entrepreneurial. And both of you really 
you know, want to give back, you want to share your expertise, you want to have, a, you know, an open channel of communication with the community. And that just got me thinking, I'm like, why don't we just put something together like this? It'll be pretty much a win-win for everyone involved. I hope that that's, that's what I am aiming for at least. Dude, we're, we're having a great conversation. And if somebody else listens to it and, and learn something from it too, then it's good that we posted it. Absolutely. So let's uh let's go back to Almega a little bit because I want to learn some more. So Almega, you guys do asset management and property management. So can you just elaborate on the asset management portion? Like what other assets do you manage other than the actual property itself? Well, no, asset management means that we manage properties, but there's different property types. So there's okay. residential, multi-unit residential, there's retail, there's uh, commercial or, or office, there's industrial, there's specialty asset classes like retirement homes or hotels or student housing. You know, so each one of those is a real estate class or okay. sector. Okay, fair enough. Um, so let's talk about, you know, building that business. So obviously back in 2011, you had a vision. Uh, you said we want to get, you know, a bunch of a bunch of money together and start a portfolio where we can invest. Uh now, when you got that money, what was the next step? Like, how did you how did you go from there? Did you have a vision from beforehand, or were you kind of just like hoping for the best? And and it took you by surprise that you ended up raising what you raised. No, we had we had two properties that we knew we wanted. No, listen, a part of part of entrepreneurship is your uh, a big part of entrepreneurship, or at least a big part of my entrepreneurship has been asking people for money. And my experience is when you're about to ask somebody for money, you better know every single thing. Like they can't come up with a question that stumps you or else you weren't prepared for the meeting. Yes. Okay. Right. Dragon's so, <laughs> it, oh man. But yeah, exactly like Dragon's Den. But oftentimes it's more than a 15 minute pitch. And, and most of the time it's not with guys that are coming into the room willing to write you money. You know, you have exactly, to convince yeah, yeah. them to write you money. So there's, uh, yeah, that, that, that is, so in terms of coming up with a plan, we had, we knew that we wanted to buy two buildings, uh, just cause I wanted to get a certain amount of cash flow generated. Uh, and the reason behind that was we, the way that we structured that first fund, because I was so young, I couldn't ask for traditional fund management fees. So normally the person who's managing the money gets a monthly salary so that they can live and then they get a percentage of the upside. Okay. Okay. But because I was like, it's kind of hard to convince people to give a 26 year old with no experience or very limited experience on their own uh, money. So I sweetened the pot for these guys and I said, I'll take no asset management, like no daily management fee. So no salary. I just want, a proportion of the upside. Okay. And what I ended up having to do was do the property management work myself. And that was always part of the plan was like, I'm going to make my day to day salary. It's not going to be fantastic, but it's whatever, whatever the property management fees that can be generated from these properties are. And that's how Omega started. And, and the goal was if I could do a good job on these two and I could prove myself, the uh, word of mouth will grow. You know, oh, he's doing a good job. Okay, I got maybe if these investors have a bit more money down the road, they'll they'll invest with you, and maybe if you do a good job for them, they'll tell their their network, and then you have more people, so more dollars, so you can buy bigger properties, and yada yada yada. Right? That was always the plan. So, right. uh, 
it was just you have to start somewhere and I that's about as big as I could start without being without it being too big to scare me from doing it okay that's fair I want to backtrack a second because you were talking about something um so you said you sweeten the pot for the people by not taking the fee uh, that a that uh the, the manager of the money would take usually you're just saying i want you know the per- the percentage of the upside yeah let not. me earn my keep right and then after that you said something about your salary so can you just clarify like because for someone so for why i'm asking this question is a lot of times why i don't want to take that step or what turns me off is i don't want to lose my income and i don't know how to create income elsewhere so how did you what what were you talking about your salary like how were you getting paid at the time you were doing that because obviously there's a there's a period of time where you're not making money no well i made a deal that i would do the property management work so in the budget that we have for these properties there's a line item for property management so normally you would hire a property manager a professional property manager to go and deal with tenant complaints collect the rent uh, deposit the checks, you know, uh, do all the service and maintenance calls, uh, fi- do all the landlord filings, all that stuff. It's it's a it's a task that is normally performed by that that is performed by basically every property that that. Okay, okay. So, but but that's not the same job. Those are two separate jobs. One guy is buying and building and worried about the kind of big picture, and the other person is is in the day to day every day. So it's two separate jobs. So I said, I'll do the property management job instead of paying a third party to pay it because we were going to pay that anyways. I'll do it myself. But it's not, but it is not a glorious job. And I think for the first couple of years, I might have got paid fifteen to $25,000 a year. Like that was the salary. Yeah. I mean, but you're laughing at that now. So it doesn't even matter where you started because like, but just to give you, it was a stepping stone. No, no, no. I understand for sure. And you know, you talk about wives and, 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 and responsibilities. I was the burden in that relationship. Like Marina put, like, she's the one who, like, we had a discussion. Like, I, I'm going to try to do something for the long term. And she's like, I got us in the short term. And we lived within our means. And we and she, but it was her salary that supported our house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know? by the way, all that, like, all this society, you got to help me get her on the show. We, we need Marina? to. Marina? Yeah. yeah you so get some female peoples up in the. Abs- absolutely. That's, that's exactly what I'm aiming for. And I saw your Instagram post about her. So I was like, yo, we got, we got to get Marina on the show for sure. Just a property management question because I just want to understand one thing. So would you consider, uh, like, a Cushman in Wakefield? Is that like your competitor? In the in the market space, do you guys do something similar to what they do? Cushman, no, Cushman Wakefield is. Pretty, I think they might have a property management division, but I know them more as a brokerage. Oh, okay, no, I I've dealt with them. Um, like in my job as a property manager, I know that, for example, the Siemens building in Oakville, like that is owned by like Cushman and Wakefield. I'm pretty sure it's either that one or another, or CBRE. I think that that CBRE. might be CBRE. Yes, yeah, so CBRE. Those, um, yeah, we probably have a few overlapping services, but they do more commercial space. And okay, I'm, okay. my my property management services are more focused on the residential space right now. Although we have we have commercial buildings that we manage for ourselves. Um, the, that's not the, un, the, the low hanging fruit for us is residential, residential right. property management. Right. And, um, actually I want to, I want to just add one more thing to your point too, about like, you know, when you're going to ask or convince someone to give you money for a reason, you have to be, you know, completely prepared, completely educated. Uh, but also another thing that I was, um, 
when I was talking to Beast Sidrock about it because a lot of what he does also is, is into that like sort of venture venture capitalist you know that idea of it and just the idea of like making money for people like what that would feel like so obviously when you convince these people to give you their money and then you invest it and obviously you know fast forward a couple of years that money yields a good return what does that feel like for you as the person who piloted this idea and like how does it feel to look at all these people that believed in you and then you're seeing them like you know yield the benefits of of, of their money um it is it's great uh, I, some of my my closest relationships are now the people that i've worked with you know both investors and and, and trades people and you know it's it's a good thing when you can make money together because it means that you guys can be successful together and if you can surround yourself with people that you can achieve success with it, it's it's an amazing feeling man and people you know, I when uh, not to fast forward, but when when TerraSend happened, you know, I used to get these really cool messages where some guy like he took a picture of his house and he's like, "Yo, this is mortgage free thanks to you." You know, and like that's that's a really cool feeling. Absolutely. But, but the other side of that statement is, is when you have to take full responsibility for losing or not delivering on returns. That as good as that other feeling is, but the the low is equally low. Oh, absolutely! I can only imagine. You know, I, I'd actually so, imagine the low might be a little bit lower. If you're good, if you're like, if you take the responsibility of people's money very seriously, the low should be lower. They shouldn't be equal. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So that was a perfect segue because I was actually right about to get into Terrace End. Uh, because this is like talk about unique bro talk about talk about some like i i started this podcast because i wanted like egyptians with a unique a business exposure and you you embody that so let's talk about terrace and was this um so you started this back in 2014 almega was 2011 uh at what point did the idea come out did you know about it when you were still doing the terrace and thing or was that something that you stumbled upon later and then went about that way Okay, so here's the story. In Omega, I bought a nine-unit apartment building, and then a 12-unit apartment building, and then a 20-unit apartment building, and then I bought a 70,000-square-foot industrial facility in the Omega fund. It was the fourth building that we bought in the same fund. So the fund is now growing, and we're making money. It's It's been around for three, four years. We have more investors. Everything's good. And we uh, and we start to... We start to... to diversify from multifamily multifamily projects and where we want to we bought this building with the intention of converting it to a self-storage facility okay and then just out of a series of fortunate events my lawyers who were taking me out for a closing dinner in august 2013 because of that seventy thousand square foot building that we purchased like a closing dinner celebration right yeah we i'm like i'm shooting the with her and i'm like hey what does your uh husband do for a living and she's like oh he's just quit his job and he's getting into medical cannabis i'm like what's medical cannabis like the <laughs> guy like, <I> like weed <laughs> <laughs> so so uh she uh, i did a bit more digging after right after the dinner and i i stumbled on the legislation that that they were about to enact in april 2014 and in my mind, I'm like, oh, snap, they're going to legalize pot. And it, and I, for some reason, I just thought, if you're just in it from the beginning, 
and you do a deep, a good job, you'll laugh, like, like think about Smirnoff back in the uh, Smirnoff or Bacardi back in the early thirties. Like they, they survived. Like imagine you could be that, right? So it's like, okay, I want in, I want in on everything. I want to. Right. And the only thing you could do at the time was apply for a singular license. And the big component of it was that you needed space that was owned or that a landlord approved for you to do a medical marijuana facility there. And obviously I just bought this 70,000 square foot industrial building. And one of my partners, Mike Nashit, who is another fantastic Egyptian, uh, he, he's like, why don't we use this thing? And I'm like, I don't know if the partners are going to let us like, this is a, uh, oh bold, whatever. But so we talked to, anyways, long story short, myself, Michael Neshit, and another guy named Vijay Sipani, we, we, we started what is now TerraSend. Uh, like we built it from scratch and we, and we took it from literally nothing to, you know, got all the licenses, hired the first hundred or so employees, uh, took the company public. We did like $80 million in non-brokered, uh, equity raises, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then we did, and then we, and then we met our best friend, Jason Wild, uh, who was looking for a company to like, he's a, he's a big private equity guy out of New York Mm -hmm. who was doing very well in the cannabis space passively. And he's like, I could do better if I'm a manager. So we meet him. We like what he's about. Mike and I have kind of taken Mike VJ and I have taken this thing to kind of the max of our entrepreneurial capacity. We have a public company that's worth a couple hundred million dollars. Like it's, 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 very surreal it's very surreal and like it's just and so it was great to have like jason comes in he's like yo i I like what you guys have done let me let me uh let me see if i can like do my thing and so we we do a transaction with him and the stock absolutely shoots right and and it goes from trading around a dollar a share to like it's high with foreign, 13. It's foreign change right now though. Oh yeah, like yeah, I, I no, you guys are you guys are on watch. Change. Don't disrespect. It's like No, no, five, I was actually just going to say I was going to say I I was actually reading up last week and you guys are on uh you got on a few articles for uh weed stocks to watch. I'm not even joking. Investopedia had you on. I'll send you the link right after. Yeah, said, J- Jason brought the US muscle to Terrasend and yeah. it's been fantastic. No, I uh I was I'm looking, man. I'm trying to start to get into that stuff, and I'm doing my yeah. research. And I was Honestly, like, I hate, I hate the stock market, but I like that stock. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, yeah, so that's so Terrace had started because of like it's all kind of connected. Yeah, I wanna I wanna unpack a little bit of what you just said because there's a few things that I want to clarify for people. Can you just tell us what what you mean by you did 80 million in non-broker deals? What does that mean? So that means that we didn't have a professional equity raiser helping us oh, raise okay, the money. Okay. It was just us going out and raising money. That's crazy. So that's like on every episode now someone has 
talk to me about the power of networking one way or another that's that could just that's crazy that's all like word of mouth i'm sure it's like the amount of people you had from the beginning versus what you had when you raised the 80 millions completely skyrocketed or maybe people just giving you more money i don't know no it's just like you 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 definitely along the way you meet more people you know at as you start going into bigger deals, bigger businesses, bigger whatever, the the, the people the people change. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, you definitely meet more people, hundred percent. And you awesome. have to be willing to meet everybody and to talk about your business all the time. Like like you're doing now. <laughs> like I'm doing now, but that's not. I, I don't mind it if you don't like it. Then you're. you're it's not a passion. Uh, then, yeah, just don't do it. You know, yeah, you don't have yeah. to do it. I, I, I also think it's slightly difficult for someone who doesn't like it to get to the level that you're at. So I think, well, actually, you know better than me, but I feel like most people who are entrepreneurs of successful businesses enjoy talking about the business and how they it's did it. Like and what you're they did. proud of it, right? You're proud right. of what you build. Absolutely. So one last uh, Terrasan question. I just want to know, because you mentioned in, in, I think earlier you were saying you were celebrating a dinner. You, you, at dinner, you just bought a 70,000 square foot building. Um, you and the lawyer, every, every, you know, just shooting the shit like you were saying. And then you ask um, the lady and she says, my husband's getting into medicinal. This was a few months before the legalization. So this was you, seven, seven months. Yeah, seven months, which is yeah. a, a, not a long time whatsoever in terms of, you know, investing and getting into that that whole industry. So how did you learn about the industry? How did you learn enough to, to be an expert in the industry to get into it? Or was that something that you were learning along the way? Learning along the way. Definitely learning along the way. But making sure that I was making a conscious effort to learn. You know, I wasn't letting the, the education hit me in the face. I had to go seek it. It's just, yeah. it wasn't organized. That, but that was the opportunity. No one knew anything. No, absolutely. Like that, those seven months are one, some of the biggest reasons why I got into it. I felt like I had a, an advantage. For, right. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, this is something that if you capitalize on, it's not going to last forever. But if you take, if you capitalize on it right now, you can, you have a shot and all you want to do is really give yourself a shot. You can't always predict that you're going to be successful, but you want, you want to make sure that you're at least setting yourself up for success. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want it to be like, Oh, I wish, you know, I wish I did it if I did it. Yeah. None of that. That is the worst. I'm, I'm in that right now with, um, I know you're not, you hate stocks other than your own, but I was like, I was beating myself up for not getting into it back in March, man. When it was like essentially a giveaway because of COVID. I'm all, yeah, I'm not, gotta, now I'm in that if, <laughs> yeah yeah hey man like remember that remember that next time the thing yeah. happens you know no, for sure um how did you guys meet jason how did you you know come across each other did he reach out to you did you reach out to him how did that happen the network man the network, the network. I, a guy i met through a leadership conference that i went to to try to boost my resume when i when i was trying to get a job i went to a leadership conference over the summer i met a guy who was my age at the time. We were both like keeners trying to get ahead. And he, uh, uh, 10 years later, I run into him in the cannabis space mm -hmm. and he, and we get to talking and then we do, we do work together in the cannabis space. And these guys have a connection who knows Jason. And then we meet at some work event and then that's the spark and then away we go that's crazy that's another yeah. crazy story about the power of networking networking man networking insane networking is everything absolutely Who you know so terrasan gets acquired you guys are laughing 
doesn't okay. get acquired. We change control. We okay. change control. Yeah. Okay. 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 We're still part of TerraSign. We just like, we, but the active management is done by by Jason. Okay. Fair enough. Still laughing. Still laughing. Still laughing. Yeah. You find yourself in the midst of Trek brands. So I guess two things. First, I want to know what Trek brands is and what it does. Uh, but second, like, how did you find it in you? How do you, how do you find it in you to keep going? Like after you start a business, it goes crazy. You have another business, Omega, that's also successful. Like why, why, why are you doing more? What, what's, what's the reason? This is what I do. I love doing this. I, you don't have to pay me to do this. You yeah. clearly don't have to pay me to do this. I will do it because I love it. But now yeah. there's a lot of things that you learn along the way. So it's like if I had a chance to do certain things over or, you know, you start thinking about a legacy and like all this stuff and, and you do it once, it's a fluke. You do it twice, it's, uh, it's a career. So yeah. um, for all those reasons and more, I'm, and I'm just like, why not? And, and I thought there was a very big opportunity in, in cannabis. And I still think there is a very big, I think, Cannabis is, we had our first act, which is Canada and its legalization process. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a second act, which is the the U.S. and their legalization process, their federal legalization process. Right. Uh, so there's, like, there's more to be had in cannabis. So right. the opportunistic in me is, like, I want to be around for that race. You know, I want to set myself up. And, we've, and I think what we ended up doing with Trek was... Uh, a bit of a like a, a one-off in the way that companies are created. You know, we truly believe in trust, respect, equality, compassion, and we talk, we walk the talk by donating ten percent of our profits to causes that are selected by consumers. And we've and we've already been doing this. You know, the, like mm-hmm. it, it's happening now. It's not a big number now, but every year that number gets bigger and bigger and bigger and we have nothing short of very ambitious goals to to be a, a household name right so yeah. so like why not us why not why us not and us. if it's us then 10% of the profits go back to the go back to the the world pool not the rich people pool no fair enough and if you don't mind just giving me like a quick 20 seconds on what trek brands does so trek trek brands is a premium brand house we manage brands through uh, a curated cannabis experience. So right now, the way it works in, in Canada and most of the United States, you, you have the person who manufactures the product is the person who, who sells you the brand, right? So, and they're usually the person, like, and they're selling it to you at their retail location. It's like the vertical integration model. So, you know, sometimes a guy that's good at growing dry bud is not really good at making vape pens. Right. Right. But if you're the guy growing dry bud, you're going to have a vape pen line because you want to compete with everybody else. What we, like our business thesis is, I think that I can white label manufacture the best of the best and group it together under one brand. So we're curating a cannabis experience instead of just saying, uh, like we're for the consumer, not for the company, because we can pick the company that we work with on a as-needed basis. And the market in cannabis is very fragmented right now. But this business model won't last forever, but uh, we can evolve from it. And But right now it gives us an opportunity to exist and to sell high-quality product 
for not $80 million. This one did not cost us $80 million to start. <laughs> when you, okay. when you're building a factory and all, and, and you're, and you're producing product and you, you need space and, and tons of employees, like this is a very different, this is an asset light business model. Okay. Got it. And, um, I know we, we've got a, We've got to end this pretty soon, but I just have one last question for you, Bessem. Because sure. this is, uh, I'm sure, not just something that I'm curious about, but pretty much everyone in the community, um, being from the Coptic community, being Egyptian, how was it um, getting into the cannabis industry? Obviously, that's something that we know is extremely taboo in the community. Um, how did I tell my parents that I pot is my living? <laughs> I don't even, it's not even your parents. I want to know more so, like, how did the public perceive it not not the public but like your parents friends like your wife's family like your family like uh you know some you know the people at church like did they did you start getting like weird looks from people like well this is not you know he's he's doing the thing with the bad stuff it's like like what was um, that like because i feel never, like i honestly haven't experienced any of the looks I, actually i'll tell you low-key every hunter uncle comes up to me and asks me for weed <laughs> i'm not kidding that bro are you kidding me um, that is going to blow wedding, this podcast up, Every man. wedding. And, and, like, if you do, you're like, no, 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 never, never. I'm like, okay, okay. Every wedding. That quote is going to blow this podcast up, man. That is amazing. Controversy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny, man. Well, of course they do. It's, of, course it's, of course they do. Of course they do. They're just – you're their kids, man. Oh my kid. goodness! But yeah, it's it's I, funny because like now that I'm married too, I start to think about it. I'm like, yo, my dad used to do this, and I used to never <laughs> understand or like, the same story yeah, say on. these things, and I never understood why, and now I get it. But like, yeah. I understand. I get That's it. Funny. I get it. Yeah, but funny. yeah, no, uh, I haven't. I, our community is very supportive. I think because I took it really seriously, and the the thing that I did w- was was really cool. I get, I kind of get a bit of a free pass. No, and yeah. uh, and and honestly, I like you probably won't even say it like this. So I'll just tell our listeners like everyone that I speak to that's dealt with you in in any sort of way like knows you're you're about the people. Like you're you're for the community. You're for the people. You take people's money as serious as it gets. And man, a lot of people I'm sure you know are very very thankful to to know you. So and I and I'm honestly super thankful to have you on. Like for you to give me time, it's like who am I, bro? Like I just put a no, podcast on, together man. like last week. Bro, I was a bum until I wasn't. Like, straight up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> imagine no, I, I like didn't Imagine Terrasen didn't work. I would just be another story. Uh, no, no I, I, I don't know. Podcast. I don't forget that. I, I, I will promise... I'll try to never, ever forget that, man. No, I, I appreciate that, bro. And I, I know you've got a lot uh, on your plate today, so I, I so much appreciate your time, and I'll let you go uh, now no, to get back pleasure, to it. Yeah, um, thank you so much. This was very fun. No, I, I appreciate it, man. And don't forget that you promised you'd help me bring Marina on the show, okay? Okay, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Take care. Have a good one. All right, bye. All right, guys. That was uh, that was Bassem. What a conversation, dude. This guy is just full of expertise and knowledge, and, and uh, it was super, super great to have him on. If any of you guys... Um, are interested in, in connecting with him, just let me know. Uh, I'll let him know as well. I'm sure he would be be glad to give any of you guys uh, some feedback. Uh, but um, thank you again for tuning into this episode. Again, that was Basim Hanna. And uh, I'll be back at you guys hopefully uh, next week. Thank you and take care.